It's a special day because Dr. Hoyt has officially opened her new practice, the Hoyt Institutes of Allergy. On today's show, we're sitting down with Dr. Hoyt to ask her all about her practice, her philosophy when it comes to patient care, and how you can ensure a successful patient-doctor relationship with your allergist. I hope you enjoy this fun and informative conversation. Let's go. Welcome to Food Allergy and Your Kiddo with Dr. Alice Hoyt the podcast about demystifying food allergies, diminishing allergy anxiety, and taking back control. Let's navigate this challenge together with evidence-based information, scientific research, and tried and proven practices. And now, here's your host, board-certified allergist and immunologist specializing in food allergy, Dr. Alice Hoyt. Hello, and welcome to the Food Allergy and Your Kiddo podcast. I am going to be your host today, Pamela Stodge, here with Dr. Alice Hoyt. How are you today? I'm doing great, Pam. How are you? I am excited because today you have officially opened up your new practice, the Hoyt Institutes of Allergy. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, but also talk a little bit about your philosophy and patient care, how you see this world of food allergy kind of going and how you plan on using all of that to have a good patient care relationship with your patients, but also give a little bit of advice to those people who are looking for an allergist for the first time. Absolutely. Are you you ready? Yes. Thank you for being so excited, friend. I appreciate it. It's it's so exciting. I've seen the behind the scenes of, you know, you going from working for large academic institutions to now for the first time kind of being on your own and opening opening up your own private practice. So tell me a little bit about that transition and what has led you to decide to go from a hospital setting to a private sector setting. Absolutely. You know, I've been very blessed to work at fantastic institutions. I was most recently with Cleveland Clinic and wow, world-class care, really, truly. But along my way of of becoming the board-certified allergist that I am, um, I've I've seen some things in medicine that I I don't like and that I Mm -hmm. do think really hinder the patient-physician relationship. And so... Being at a time in my life where, as most of our listeners know, I have a little girl, um, my husband, yes, and my husband is also a physician, and so we're we're always having to be very creative with our schedules. And I was at a point in my life where I said, you know, I I believe that God has given me certain gifts to share, and. I think this is the the next way for me to share gifts, especially with the food allergy community, is to develop a a practice model where we really are the the one stop shop for all things food allergy. What I dread is after someone leaves my office that they go and Google right whatever it is we just talked about, um, because I want them to know that they have full access to evidence-based information about food allergy, but also those other very important parts of food allergy of navigating school with food allergy, helping with family, social events, all of those types of things. We are trying to provide 
family-based care because food allergy affects the entire family, not just that one kiddo. And like I explained to, to some people, food allergy is not like high, high blood pressure where you take a high blood pressure medication every day and, and you maybe adjust your diet some. Food allergy, people are thinking about it, especially families, especially mamas, every day, all the yeah. time, every day. And so I want to be the practice where people feel our families feel that they are getting not just top quality care, but they're being loved on as if they are part of my family. That's great. I think that just is such a great philosophy. I feel like every doctor, if they're able to, should have a philosophy similar to that. I I know for us navigating a food allergy, it's you know, we've had, we've had amazing doctors. Don't get me wrong. Everybody that we have seen has been amazing, but the experience has been a little different. You know, some of them are just, we go in, you know, we did blood and skin tests and we went on our way. And, you know, for me having a friend who is food allergist and having people in my life who are physicians was very helpful for me because I was, instead of Googling things, I was able to ask advice or just, you know, can you clarify this for me? I didn't really understand it, but not everybody has that. So the idea that you have seen this in your life, in your personal life, in your professional life, we have spoken on the podcast with people who have spoken about what patients want in a Mm -hmm. practice. And you've taken all of that and you have said, you know what, I'm listening. I'm here for you. And you're rolling with it. And I think that is so great. And I think your patients are going to truly appreciate that just really briefly, because I know that you don't want to sit here and talk about your practice, you know, the whole time you really want to share some good information for our patients who cannot see you, but tell me just really briefly, some of the things that you offer in your practice so that people, so that patients, potential patients or families who are just new to food allergies can maybe look for somebody like you or know if they cannot go to maybe like a one-stop shop, like you said, they know where else they can get some of that help and information. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the way a patient would, would come to see me is um, is is very sort of um, stri- strategic in that when they're scheduling their initial consultation, part of that initial consultation is also scheduling that follow up visit. Because you know, I was having this conversation with my husband last night. Um, arguably, the most important conversation a physician has, and I'm going back and forth in my mind, but one of the <laughs> most important conversations a physician has is the discussion of their evaluation of the patient and recommendations for next steps in management, which should of course be shared decision-making. So what did I just say? I just said that a doctor's got to take a very good history. Mm -hmm. um, And sometimes that means getting information, not just from the patient, but from the family. And sometimes, you know, the, the parents may work outside the home. And so a grandparent, or there may be another caregiver who has some more information, all of that history taking is incredibly important, especially when you're trying to tease out what is a safe food and what is not a safe food, right? All of that in a similar, putting all of that information together 
then guides next steps, which would be testing, skin testing, blood testing, whatever is relevant. This whole concept of, oh, let me do a food panel of, you know, 10 different foods and we're going to run a blood test for all of them. That is not evidence-based. Right. So an evaluation should be very targeted towards an individual's specific clinical presentation. So if this kiddo came in after eating a little bit of peanut butter for the first time, and had hives and swelling, there's literally no reason for me to do a very generic um, lab created, meaning like a a lab company created this food panel of all of these different foods. I would order peanut and then I would ask about other foods that he or she has or has not tolerated. Um, And I'd also look at egg and their history of egg because of the relationship between egg and peanut. I'm already getting on a tangent right there. (laughs) I think that really highlights that food allergy is complex. Right. And the concept of, oh, let's just do a skin test. Let's just do a blood test. That is not the way to practice allergy well. So to practice allergy well, you need that very good history, targeted testing. And then, so that's the first part of the consultation. So we do all that. And then, of course, the patient gets the blood testing, and then they come back for that second part of the consultation where we review everything, where I Mm -hmm. also have another opportunity to listen more to the patient and to the family to make sure I heard whole history, to make sure if there were any surprises on any of the testing that I'm able to really like dig deep with that family and try to tease that out. And then through shared decision-making, talking with the family, talking with the kiddo, what should be our next step? If this kiddo is very clearly allergic to a food, meaning that history is super strong and you know what? I know that kiddo's allergic. The testing, it it helps confirm it, but I was 90% set that that kiddo was allergic. And by the way, that's really how, how testing should work. Right. The testing should really help confirm the diagnosis that you're already pretty confident about. Right. Not, not all forms of medicine are like that, but with food allergy, that, that is how, how things should work. Um, and then the testing can also help, help you sort of decide uh, a, a risk strategy or how likely it is someone is going to do well with a food challenge or could have a bad reaction um, with a food challenge, an ingestion challenge. We've, we've talked about those mm-hmm. on, the episode, on the podcast before. So definitely listeners, go back to our food challenge um, um, podcast episode. Yeah. Sorry. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but so that, that whole second part of the evaluation is done in person. Hi there. This is Alexis from the Hoyt Institute of Food Allergy. Did you know that the Institute is the official sponsor of the Food Allergy and Your Kiddo podcast? And did you also know that you are now able to connect with Dr. Hoyt directly? That's right. We are now offering Food Allergy Office Hours for Parents. These one-on-one virtual sessions are available for parents all across the country. It's an educational session, not an office visit, where you can ask all of your food allergy questions and finally get answers. It's as comfortable as having a cup of coffee with your bestie. Simply click the link in the show notes to schedule and mention this ad. We are so, so excited to connect with parents across the globe with this new service. Okay, now back to Pam and Dr. Hoyt. 
And I want to say too, as part of that second consult, you know, sometimes that first meeting is very, as a patient is very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. You get a lot of information that you're just not sure what just happened. So from a state, a patient standpoint, it's so important to go to that second follow-up and have it scheduled before you leave, because that's where you're really going to have all of those feelings Mm -hmm. answered for you in the best way possible. You're still going to have those feelings, but it's just so important. I agree. I definitely agree with that method of Absolutely. doing things. And I mean, I don't even say it's a second consultation. I say it's it's part two of right, the consultation part two. because it's just, it's so integral. And this concept now of explaining lab results or explaining an evaluation via a MyChart message or a patient portal or no, yeah, just no, you know? This it's so important that I am able to sit down and make sure that my patient understands and hears me and that we're on the same page that I presented the information in a way that they understand so that then together we can we can have shared medical decision making. But if I don't adequately explain their presentation and how I think this is their diagnosis and this is why, and this is the test that support this. These are the other things I'm thinking. If I don't adequately explain that, then they're not on the same page with me. So then how can we make a shared medical decision? I have not educated them adequately to prepare them to make any sort of decision. Right. And how in the world can I do that? So I have a minor in communication studies. How in the world can I do that by sending an email to a patient about this is this is an explanation of your evaluation. I think we should do this. How how does that sound? I mean, maybe I've explained it beautifully. <laughs> Highly unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> well, it just, you know, one, it just humanizes the whole situation. It's, you know, because I think for me, food allergy is a diagnosis, but it's something that we live with every day. We can't, like you said, just take a Mm -hmm. pill and we're, you know, running steady and our blood pressure is good. So we just pop in our pill and we don't really think much about it. You know, we go to our yearly physical, we make sure that we're on track. We take our blood pressure every once in a while, but with food allergy, it's an ever living thing. It's Mm -hmm. constantly there. You're constantly making sure that there's things that are safe or, or not, you know, it's Mm -hmm. just, it's so, um, I don't know. It's just ever present, I guess. Is, yes, is exactly. really the word. And so, and it's ever changing, it's ever present and it's ever changing. So for you to sit down with your patient and truly explain all of this stuff, because like you said, if you don't explain it, well, if you do it over email, which look, we understand that there are places where maybe that's the only option. Maybe that's the only way they know how to do this. And if that is, then that's okay. That if that's I'm going to gently push back because I was just (laughs) thinking as you're saying this, that I'm probably getting some um, dagger looks by some of my doctor friends um, who are thinking, you know, I just, I don't, I don't have time to have them come back or they're not going to come back because they live X amount of hours away. So every family is different. If a family lives far away and it is a significant struggle for them to come back, we have telemedicine. And now a lot of the video conferencing tools are much better than they were pre-pandemic. So then I would advise those 
those docs who want to provide a better patient care experience to have that follow-up, have it in person if possible, but it not at least get that parent on the video chat, whatever platform your institution uses to go through all of this. Um, because it's it's that eye contact. Of course, in person is better. But look, I get it. We live in the 21st century during a pandemic. Like that can't always happen. Right. But video conferencing can. And then if that can't, then at least a phone call. Right. But then th- this whole concept is very interesting because I'm pretty sure 50 years ago or not even if we talked to your dad when he first started practicing medicine, I think if you were to tell him that oh, well, we're going to have these magical computers and you'll see the patient <laughs> for a few minutes and then you'll you'll send them an email um, on your own time after you're done seeing patients at five o'clock. You'll send them an email. You're going to say after work to send them an email with, with their um, results. And unfortunately, that's what some um, large institutions are expecting of their providers. Yeah. And that ain't right. I don't like that. Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right because we have had that experience as well. And usually I take the information and I call someone (laughs) to see what the information meant. And again, I have that luxury of being able to call someone who can interpret the information for me. Those who don't is that's when they get on groups, on social media, on Google, Mm -hmm. and they go down a rabbit hole of well-meaning people who aren't the right people to be asking those questions to because the right Mm -hmm. people are the physicians. So Mm -hmm. you're so right. You're so right. I guess I was just trying to, (laughs) to not anger your doctor friends, (laughs) but no, you're right. You're right. That's the way medicine should be. It's sad that it, it's not the case everywhere. Um, so I'm glad that you're championing that. Um, And I will say I was able to do this when I worked with with the last institution, I've I've actually been able to do this everywhere I've worked. You just have to, you have to work within your own systems, um, confines, constraints, regulations, whatever. And simply the way you do it for my doctor friends listening is you have your initial visit and then you plan for them to come back in one to two weeks for an established patient visit for a follow-up visit. And you, you discuss their results at that time, or if you can't, if they can't come in person, then you schedule it as a virtual visit. You're still regarding billing. Cause that's what some question people are going to ask me about, um, who are docs and nurse practitioners. These are still two very separate, um, encounters. And so they're still both billable. I know that's getting down the rabbit hole with some people, but there is a way to do this y'all. And I really hope that, that I guess I'm able to talk with, with more of my friends and provide them with some creative strategies for how to do it because patients deserve it. And we also, as physicians, we deserve to have that, that high quality experience with our patients. We dedicate our lives to serving Mm -hmm. others we want it to be a good experience. So, and, and with more and more technology, we just have to get in, in more time constraints. A lot of docs I know are being pushed to see more patients in a lesser amount of time. Um, you know, I, I, I could go on and on, but ultimately <laughs> I line. will say doctors are good. Nurse practitioners are good. Sometimes the systems within they, within which they work 
pose unique challenges that we're all trying to adapt to. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we, we've got to advocate for our patients. And that Definitely. includes having a good amount of time to talk with them. So you do the initial consultation, then you do sort of your part two of your consultation where you guys sit down and you go over all of the results. You talk about what your next steps would be. And I know that can include based on the family and their needs and their wants, you know, either going through challenges or Mm -hmm. going through OIT or just avoidance. So once you have that path, I know that in your practice, you're also offering kind of extra services for them Mm -hmm. that they can go ahead and do in your office, which I find to be incredibly helpful because we have done all of these things outside Mm -hmm. on our own. So to be able to do it in your in your office, one-stop shop, like you said, is just so incredible. So tell me a little bit about that. I think it's so interesting too, that you called it extra services. And I know you're calling it (laughs) extra services because you're coming from like a traditional allergist appointment perspective. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But I really believe that my role as a family's doctor is to provide them an accurate diagnosis and a very strong shared medical decision-making plan that we're going to follow. But from that point forward, it's, it's walk in the path, right? And when it comes to, to families managing food allergy, an important part of that path, two big things is clinical care navigation and emotional support. And so for clinical care navigation, I'm very proud to have a comprehensive patient care navigator who, whenever anyone calls my practice, that's who answers the phone. That's who's going to call you back. That's who's going to help get your records because getting records is very important so that I can see all that. That's who's going to communicate between me and your school nurse, me and um, your pediatrician, your GI doctor. If, if you have a GI doctor, if you have a dermatologist, all of this comprehensive care and communication is just so important. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing, making sure that schools have all the forms they need. You know, how many times are, are we going to camps or, or school, you know, every year getting new forms, making sure that epinephrine auto injector isn't expired, all of those things. The other part that I mentioned, the, uh, the emotional wellness is there are some families that are are really struggling when it comes to food allergy related anxiety and we have a counselor that will work with our patients whether it's the kiddo the the parents grandparents need to come in whoever it is family approach to all of this and i mean she has expertise in some some really hardcore areas working inpatient of, of eating disorders and traumas and just horrible things. And so for her to be applying her skills towards families who are managing with the anxiety that comes along with food allergy, families who truly have some PTSD from seeing their Mm -hmm. child so sick from a food that they gave them, Mm -hmm. you know, and I just think, I just think it's so funny that you're calling it extra services <laughs> because these are things, conversations, Pam, that you and I have had literally for years now. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And, you know, how much of the time are we talking about the diagnosis in your little kiddo compared to how much of the time are we talking about the comprehensive approach to management? in your kiddo. And that's like everything else. And so that's why I think, yes, what I do at my Institute is very important, 
But what these other people are doing, helping these patients with things they're dealing with on a daily basis, so important. Oh, so important. And again, just from, you know, we're an open book over here. We've had to go to counselors for food related issues. And I myself has also have also had to go to counselors for just sort of the whole trauma of it all, because while I sit here and I manage it uber well, that has taken work and it has taken work from other professionals to sort of help me deal with all of it, help my daughter deal with all of it, give us both the tools to share with our family members who maybe have a little bit of questions themselves and to be able to sit here on a podcast with my best friend and talk about really hard things. You know, you and I have talked about this too a few years ago. And actually just a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about, you know, that food allergy can lead to death. And you asked off air if, if that was okay, that we were talking about that, how I was doing. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's not fun, but I'm okay. A few years ago, I would never have been able to talk about that because it's hard. It's a hard thing to have to swallow, to know that your child could eat a food in your presence or not in your presence and bad things could happen and what those bad things are. And sometimes, you know, my husband deals with it beautifully. You know, he just, he is. And sometimes you need a little extra help. And so for you to offer what I call extra services like that is so, it's just so wonderful because you're right. They shouldn't be extra services. They should be something that people have access to or know how to have access to them, Mm -hmm. which is so important. So your practice sounds amazing. Sounds like like heaven on earth, heaven on earth in the food allergy world. (laughs) We're trying. Yeah. I'm trying. It's, it's amazing. I'm very proud of you for doing all of that and for taking all of your experiences and knowing and not being okay with the norm, right. With seeing what needs to change and making that change and taking that step, even though it's a hard step to take, which I think is what you were trying to say to your fellow colleagues that yes, it's hard. Yes, it takes a little extra work, but y'all can all do this. Y'all can totally yeah. all do this, which is just so important. Okay. So Dr. Hoyt, not everybody can come see you at your Institute. So tell me what you would share with people who are new to this journey, who um, maybe have been on this journey, but aren't happy with the services that they're you know, being provided right now, or maybe lack of services that they're being provided what would you recommend those people look for in their patient care? And what kind of patient relationship do you think they need to be okay with, not just settle for? The most important thing a patient can look for in a doctor is someone that listens to them and someone that hears them. Mm -hmm. Um, if, If a doctor does not hear what their patient is saying, then the doctor is going to miss the boat. Right. And... That's not what needs to happen, especially when it comes to food allergy. So I would say, you know, not a lot of allergists are going to have the same approach as me, or they might have different philosophies to, to food allergy management. Um, certainly might not offer some of the same services uh, that, that we'll be offering. And I know we have room to grow as well, um, bringing in other specialists, uh, hopefully in the future to help. Mm-hmm. really comprehensively care for patients. 
Um, But ultimately, if you can find a doctor who will listen to you, who will hear your concerns, who will engage with you and answer your questions in a way that you are satisfied with the answer, you might not like the answer, Mm -hmm. but you can say, yeah, they heard what I had to say. They disagree, but they listen to me. And this is why they disagree. And then icing on the cake, especially with food allergy families who are so informed, um, (laughs) but sometimes misinformed is a doctor who can also share the literature. I mean, Pam, how many times have I been in an academic conference and I'm like texting you about something some researcher is saying, um, or I know like my patients with the early OIT, I literally print out one of the journal articles from the journal of allergy, clinical immunology, and I yeah. give it to them to read. I mean, this I've is read a lot of seven- journals, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like, I don't expect people, we actually did an episode on how to read a journal article. Right. I don't, I don't expect people to understand how, how to read all of it. But if you're reading a reputable journal or if a, a doctor hands you a piece of literature that is, is from a journal that they themselves read, mm-hmm. then that is them trying to connect with you and right. trying to, to really play team medicine, mm-hmm. which, you know, every team needs a coach. The doctor is the coach, but it's a team. So and that- just side note, my dad, anytime I have questions about anything related to my children or anything at all, my dad always sends me an article every oh single time God. to follow up what he says. Isn't that funny? Oh, I love it. I love You're it. On the I, same love it. And that's, I love it. No, right. <laughs> so I mean, the whole concept of like, don't go Googling your doctor can give you the answer, mm-hmm. but, but it shouldn't just be like what I'm saying. Like, I want to give you more Back information up. so you can read more about this. Yeah. You're backing up what I'm you're getting. saying. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. So, so that's what I would say is I would say, find a doctor, whether you're in a small town, big city, wherever it is, there are doctors who will listen to you. That's the episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Of course, I'm an allergist, but I'm not your allergist. So talk with your allergist about what you learned on this episode and visit us at foodallergyandyourkiddo.com where you can submit your family's questions. God bless you and God bless your family.